the following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Let me just say, after very distorting the belt, they're proclaiming the real world champion. I'm going to tell you all with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one, the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday, May the 31st, 2023. Hope you had a fantastic uh, Memorial Day weekend. Hope you got to see family, get to do whatever you want, and uh, or got to do whatever you want. And I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, again, we want to take this time out to thank all the veterans who served and gave up their life for us to be able to do what we get to do here for fun here on uh, uh on this uh, format here talking sports and uh, having some fun here. So we want to thank all the veterans who uh, served that have served are serving right now in the military. My arm, our, our chapeau is tipped to you, our fedora tipped, however you want to call it. And uh, we want to thank you. And we also want to thank everybody for joining us here on this uh, Wednesday, May the 31st, 2023. This is another edition of the captain Lou extravaganza. We are live here on uh, the Captain Lou Sports Network on YouTube. We invite you to uh, take a chance and uh, subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel. We got a lot of great shows archived, uh, great guests, some fun interviews throughout the years. And uh, we want to invite you to be a part of the program as well by following us on Twitter at Real Captain Lou. Also, uh, our Facebook page, The Captain Lou Extravaganza. Or drop me an email, sweetlou1965 at Yahoo. Dot com. We answer all the emails uh, all the time in a very quick fashion, and it's a great way to be a part of the show as well. We are sponsored here, as always, on the Captain Lou Extravaganza by MahlerBros.com. If you want to look good on the golf course, remember when you look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good. Check out MahlerBros.com for their line of apparel, great-looking polos, T-shirts, you name it. That's MahlerBros.com, and uh, you, if you do join or if you uh, go on the website, make sure that you use the promo code BELLYUP for 15% off of your purchase. That's on MahlerBros.com. we got a great show planned for you here this morning. We're going to be joined in a little while by Chris Mascaro. He is the uh, host of Next on the Tee and Thursday Night Tailgate uh, podcast. We're going to talk some PGA golf with him. The PGA Championship, of course, uh, about a week and a half ago, a couple of weeks ago now, uh, Brooks Kepka wins his fifth major. And uh, we're going to talk to Chris about that. Of course, Michael Block with the impression he made, the club pro that uh, with the big hole in one and uh, getting the invites for a couple of tournaments and uh, his impact on uh, his play. And of course, the live tour. And we'll take a look at the upcoming uh, U.S. Open, which is uh, coming up uh, in a couple of weeks out at the Los Angeles Country Club. So Chris, very generous with his time this morning. He'll join us in a little bit. Uh, corresponded with him a little while ago. Uh, hopefully we'll get him on here in the next five or 10 minutes. So should be a great conversation. If you like golf, really invite you to uh, stick around and take a uh, listen and a watch to that. Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs are down to the finals now. D uh, Dallas and Vegas, they concluded their series with Vegas. Uh, steamrolling Dallas in game uh, in game six of that tournament um, in Dallas. Uh, the finals are set, as we mentioned. Dallas uh, – or Vegas rather came out rather quickly as they have in that, uh, as they did probably, I think three times in their victories scored in the first five minutes of that game. And just, uh, they came out guns a blazing, if you will, and, uh, jumped out to a quick three, nothing lead after the first period. And there was no looking back for the Vegas golden Knights. They're deep, they're quick, they're big. Uh, they're playing with a purpose as are the Florida Panthers. Uh, of course they dispatched of the Carolina hurricanes in a four game sweep. So now it's going to be Dallas and Vegas, or I'm sorry, Vegas and Florida 
in the Stanley Cup Finals starting on Saturday. And uh, that's going to be an interesting matchup. you got two teams, I think, very closely matched. Two deep teams. And don't let that eighth seed fool you if you're the Florida Panthers. Uh, you know, we talked about it uh, quite often. They were the President's Trophy winners last year. Uh, so they were the best team in the Eastern Conference last year, and they got bounced in the playoffs. So a lot of that core is still there, and uh, they're going to make a make it very interesting for Vegas. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll really go into in-depth in that one on Friday as that uh, final starts on Saturday. So it's going to be Vegas, and it's going to be Florida. Both teams are looking for their first Stanley Cup trophy win, you know, the Stanley Cup title. Uh, Vegas was there in 2018. They're inaugural year in the NHL. They made a historic run. They got beat by the Washington Capitals in five games. Florida, it's been a little bit longer than that. 1996, when they were in the Stanley Cup Finals, they got swept by that juggernaut that was the the, uh, Colorado Avalanche, who dispatched of the Detroit Red Wings in six games to make it to the finals there and uh, defeat the Florida Panthers. So both those teams looking for the first Stanley Cup championship as... uh, yeah, uh, it, it should be a very interesting matchup as well. And then, of course, the NBA Finals, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. The Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat are looking to uh, stake their claim to the NBA title. Denver looking for their first uh, NBA title as uh, they'll take on. That will start tomorrow, so we'll preview that a little bit later on. But right now, we talked about our guest, uh, Chris Mascaro, coming in. Let's uh, see if we can't bring him in. As uh, let's talk some uh, PGA golf with him, Chris. How are you? Thanks for taking time out to be with us this morning. Ah, I can't believe you asked me. I'm honored to be here. Thanks, Lou. Hey, it's uh, the pleasure's all mine. We got a lot to talk about. I love love the talking golf. It's this is a pleasure for us to have you on. Let's get right into it. I want to talk about the PGA Championship. I know it was a couple of weeks ago, but um, Brooks Kepka. It seems like he's back. Um, there was a time that we thought that he may not play again. Um, you know, he lost his swing, if you will, but he came back, won that fifth major pretty convincingly, in my opinion, Chris. And now with his five majors, first of all, should he be considered one of the all-time greats in the world of golf? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, there's only a handful of guys that have won more tournaments than, you know, more majors than Brooks has. Obviously, only nine wins on the PGA Tour, five of which are majors, which is unbelievable just to think about. Mm-hmm. And then when you think about those five compared to some of the other greats of the game, yeah, he's right up there. Look, nobody has, you know, I, I call him like the, the, the Chris Carter of, uh, of golf, right? You remember back in the day when Chris Carter first came into the mm-hmm. NFL, all they said is all, all he does is catch touchdowns. All Brooks Kepka does is win majors. Yeah, The guy is phenomenal about rising to the occasion and winning major golf tournaments. So the thought that, you know, he wouldn't be, you know, talked up there with, with all of the greats in, in the history of the game is, is silly to me. The guy is just uh, unbelievable when it, when the major championship is on the line. And uh, we'll probably talk about this a little bit, but I think he's the, the odds on favorite going into LA country club for the U S open. You can't discount what he's done. You're right. Not that long ago, we were wondering if he would ever win a golf tournament again. And we've we've seen the Netflix special and and how he mm-hmm. lost confidence in himself and, and the knee injury and all those sorts of things, which probably led to why he went yeah. to go play over on the, the Live Golf Tour. Got the money thinking that he's not going to win that much again. So I'm going to take this money and run. And then got healthy again, and then Brooks Kepka was back, the guy that we have seen win back-to-back U.S. Opens, the guy we've seen win two PGA championships, now three. So the idea that he isn't the favorite and isn't back and isn't one of the all-time greats, to me, holds no water. He absolutely is. Well, he proved it. You're exactly right. I want to touch on something you said about the mental aspect of it. You know, we've you know, the legendary story of David Duvall, you know, I mean, he was up there, one of the greats, and then he fell off. And a, a golfer that, I don't know if he's fighting the demons on the mental side of it, but uh, Rory McIlroy had a uh, struggle at the Masters. You know, that that's, uh, that's a weight that he's going to have to bear until he wins, you know, a green jacket. But I thought he looked pretty good in the PGA Championship. He made a heck of a run. Obviously, he didn't win it. Um, you know, 
there's a lot. You, you, you brought up a great point about rising to the occasion in the big moments. And Roy has done that in the pack, but in the past, but how difficult is that to be able to do that when the brightest lights are on? Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, the, the thing and it, and it happens for all of us, right. I, it's that's not mm-hmm. at a major championship. I mean, I was, I was talking uh, to some guys on, uh, on my show last night about this very topic. I mean, whether it's our own club championship, a member guest, a member member, whatever it is, right. <laughs> sure. I mean, tournament golf is different than playing golf with your buddies on, you know, on a Saturday <laughs> or Sunday, whenever it is right. When it, when the, it's tournament time, that's a difference between playing golf and playing tournament golf. Now you ratchet that up, you know, several notches when we're talking about a PGA tour or any professional tour event, whether it's LPGA or champion store, whatever it is. And then you take that up even further when it's a major, right? So, you know, the thing that we, that we're starting to worry about with Rory is he hasn't won a major in a really long time. Mm -hmm. So where is that? You know, look, we, we loved what we saw a couple of years ago at the masters, you know, when he and Colin Morikawa both hold out from the bunker on 18 and, and Rory ends up finishing second. That's that's nice. Right. It's different when you're sort of backing into a, a second place and you really don't have an opportunity to really win the golf tournament. Not a lot of pressure on you at that point. So you can play well and you're freed up to play whatever, you, you know, however you want and that sort of thing. You're not worried about the next shot in that. So I think what we've got to get from Rory and we've seen him win earlier this year. Now, I mean, it, it peaked kind of early this year and it's kind of fallen off, you know, ever since. But what we need to see from Rory is to be out in front early, be around the top one, two, three places in a major championship and hang on to that lead and, and bring it home. We haven't seen that in a while. So I worry about that with respect to Rory. And look, the Masters and the same thing holds true for Jordan Spieth at the PGA, right? They're both going for the career Grand Slam. And we really mm-hmm. haven't seen them actually compete in it, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, like I said, we got the Rory in the second place, but that was sort of a backed-in second place. We haven't seen Rory leading a Masters coming down the stretch. We haven't seen Jordan Spieth leading a PGA Championship coming down the stretch. So we want to be able to see that happen. But you're right, from a from a pressure-packed you know position, it doesn't get any. Like I say, you 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 talk about all the different levels. Well, leading a major is is and winning a major is one of the hardest things to do. Now you're going to layer on top of that, completing the career Grand Slam, all of those thoughts in your mind as you're tr- coming down the stretch to win those tournaments. Got to be unbelievable pressure. And look, we all do. We all get ahead of ourselves out on the golf course, right? Whether it's, you know, hey, I'm trying to break 80 or 90 or whatever it is for the first time. Right. Hey, if I only, you know, if I only can par these last two holes, I'm going to break 80. And that pressure that we put on ourselves to try to do that. And the next thing you know, we make double on 17 and it's all over and, <laughs> and that sort of thing. Now you, 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 you extrapolate that to what it must be like for those guys. Incredibly difficult. Wow. That ties in great to my next question, Chris. Michael Block, you know, he got the hole in one on Sunday. I believe it was on 15. Uh, and then he still needed to get up and down on 18 to make it a tie for 15th so he could uh, qualify for next year's PGA. Um, you know, obviously he's caught the he's caught the hearts of the average golfer. Um, a pressure situation, one that he probably will never, he had never experienced, may never again. What a great story. Um, but I want to ask you too about you know the comments he made. I know he, you know, he had that little boost of confidence about if he had the length of Rory, he could uh <laughs> he could be right up there all the time. I think if I had the length of Rory, I could. I might be able to break 80 myself, but you know, know, it, uh, what a great story for that. It was fun to watch. uh, And, you know, obviously I don't think it'll last, but what a, what a great subplot to that uh, PGA championship. No, a hundred percent. Right. I mean, to your point, it captured all of our imaginations. I mean, look, you know, there, there are folks that, that believe that the PGA professionals shouldn't be out there in the tournament. They don't belong there. They haven't earned it, whatever, whatever that yeah. opinion is. But I think that's what makes the PGA championship great is that our local PGA professionals have an opportunity to go out there and qualify and play and God bless them for doing it. And Michael Block obviously became, you know, our, our focus for, for many, mm-hmm. almost outshined the idea that Brooks Kepka won the golf tournament. Yeah. It was like, you know, Michael Block did this and oh, by the way, Brooks <laughs> Kepka won the, won the tournament. Um, so it was wonderful to see. It brought a smile to all of our faces. He was so genuine in, in the things that he said and, you know, the, 
the reaction when he found out he was going to play the final round with Rory and the reaction <laughs> of when the slam dunk hole in one came on the back nine and, you know, did that go in Roy? Did that go in? I mean, you know, those, those are all things were, were wonderful. And then the up and down to your point on, on 18. And I, and I don't know that he had any idea that he needed yeah. to do that to finish tied for 15th and get himself into the tournament next year. But it was just sort of the, the storybook ending, right? We all wanted him to be able to get up and down. We right. wanted to see that far. We wanted to see him go on and, and have some other success. And, and that was that was wonderful. Yeah, the idea of his comments, you know, about Rory, were they taken out of context? You know, uh, if I had that kind of length and all that sort of stuff. I mean, look, one of the things I give Michael Block a pass for and you know, part of his grace in this whole situation mm -hmm. is everybody wanted to interview Michael Block. He, he must have had a thousand microphones yeah. stuck in his face, you know, from from the from Thursday on through into uh, getting into uh, the, uh, the tournament afterwards. So he answered all of those questions. Right. He, he took every interview he stayed up late. He got up early. He did. He dealt with all of those sorts of things, and he did it all through last week as well. And look, did was it out of context? Should he have made that statement? You know, probably not. If he looks back on it, I'm sure he may regret the the way it came out or or the context in which it was taken. But you know, by the same token, if you ask me the question, like you know, hey Chris, if you could hit it like Rory. You know, could you be out on the PGA tour? Heck yeah. If I could hit it like Rory, we'd all be out there, you know, right on down. the PGA tour, you know, competing, competing for tournament wins and major championships. That's, that's sort of the dream. I wish I could bomb oh, the ball 325 on average and at 360 or 70 from time to time and that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, Amazing. I, I give him a lot of credit for, for everything he went through and everything he accomplished. We're joined by Chris Mascaro, host of Next on the Tee and Thursday Night Tailgate Podcast. It's a great podcast. Everything you want to know about the world of golf, I strongly recommend you watch that. Chris, uh, before we get to the U.S. Open, uh, the memorial is this weekend. And I saw you tweet something this morning just about Jack Nicklaus, and it's fascinating. Now, I knew about the... Uh, about the, uh, the 18 majors and I think the 19 second-place finishes, but he's got... Correct me if I'm wrong, 46 top five finishes in majors or something to that effect, which is, uh, to me, that's one of the most unreachable reachable, uh, stats I think you'll ever see, especially now there's a lot more, uh, I don't want to say a lot more competition, but it's it's tougher, I think, these days than it may have been a little bit tougher than back in the 70s. Yeah, you know, Lou, I've I've had this kind of back and forth with lots of folks uh, on social media and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, well, it was easier for Jack. The talent wasn't as good, and I and I I don't buy that for a second. I mean, you go back and look at the Hall of Famers that mm -hmm. Jack played against versus the Hall of Famers or even the potential Hall of Famers that Tiger Woods played against, and yeah. it's no comparison. Way more in Nicholas's era than there is in Tiger Woods's era. To your point, you know, and and Justin Ray, kudos to him for coming up with these eighteen unbelievable stats from from <laughs> Nicholas's career. And you're right, you know, he finished first, second, or third in major championships forty six times. Wow! And just to give context to that, that's twenty more than any other player in history. Tiger is second with twenty six. So think about that. You know, 20 more times for Nicholas than Tiger Woods. He's the only player in men's golf history to have a first, second, and third place finish in each of the four major championships in a year. Wow. You know, I mean, it, the list just goes on. It's staggering the number of things that Jack accomplished over his career. Uh, and in comparison, and I say this all the time, when you really compare the stats for what Jack was able to do, and again, people talk about, you know, the top 100 players now. I mean, anybody could win. On any given week, which is true, and I don't yeah. take that away, but I think you know the same was true back in the day uh, for Nicholas because the the hundredth player back then was just as good as the hundredth player right now. So I the the stuff that Jack did was was most remarkable, and for the amount of time that he did it was even more remarkable. So uh, I'm a huge Nicholas fan, as you can tell. Um, yeah, but uh, tremendous player and uh, clearly the greatest of all time. Well, you've got to rise out of my dog. I apologize for that <laughs> with the barking in the background. No um, you know, hold on one second. Hey, thank you. That's the peanut gallery back there. I guess that worked a lot. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you know, what I wanted to ask you too is uh, the uh, 
it's the 50th anniversary this weekend of with you of uh, Johnny Miller yeah. shooting at uh, 63 in the open. And at the time, it was the it still hasn't been topped, if I'm not mistaken, right. in a major. And uh, you know, he had a rivalry with Jack Nicholas that you know it was to me it was like the villain against the hero because <laughs> I was always a Nicholas guy, wasn't a Johnny Miller guy, but not taken away from what a great golfer he was and. Man, it's hard to believe it's 50 years ago that took place. Yeah, it really is. And and look, as I say, I'm a huge Nicholas fan, but you can't take anything away from Johnny Miller and the yeah. things that he accomplished in the mid-70s. That 1975 Masters is is one of the greats, you know, ever. Just the, the three of them with Weisskopf coming down the stretch and and uh, and Nicholas obviously holding on to win. But Johnny Miller was as brilliant a golfer as there was over a short period of time in those mid-70s. Um, just like, you know, Brooks Kepka is now with, uh, with majors. Johnny was a guy for that stretch of time that was going to be the, you know, if you were going to win, whether it was a green coat or a U.S. open or, or, or an open championship or whatever the tournament was, that was going to, he was going to be a guy you were going to have to be coming down the stretch. And Johnny wasn't going to be nervous about it. You know, he, he liked it just like Nicholas, you know, thrived on uh, that moment and dealing with the pressure and coming down, uh, the stretch with an opportunity to win, he wasn't going to shrink away from it. So, uh, that open at Oakmont is, uh, is a, a huge classic. I'm from, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Oakmont, just down the road. Uh, so I have a lot of uh, reverence for that golf course and what, he, what Miller was able to do there, uh, in that U S open. So we've got the U S open coming up in a couple of weeks. It's at the Los Angeles country club. And, uh, you know, it's never a major's never been played there. So that's interesting. Nope. What, yeah, what, uh, you know, obviously it's going to be a difficult layout. You know, the track is always difficult for the U S open. The greens are usually, you know, or I'm sorry, the, the rough is always longer. Um, first of all, if you're a betting person, how do you bet on a major? I mean, is it, is it really a crap shoot? I mean, <laughs> I've never I've never bet on someone to win it outright. I've always like do round by round bets, just something to keep me a little more interested. But is there, obviously there's no foolproof way, but what am I going to look for first of all in the U S open coming up at Los Angeles in about 10 days? Yeah. As, as you mentioned, there's never been a, a major play there. The, the LA open had been you know, played there five times from 1926 to 1941, but the course looks absolutely amazing. A lot of runoff areas. If, if you don't hit the greens, natural grass areas out there beyond the fairway is going to give the players some tough lies if they're not precise. But, uh, you know, the original designer, uh, George Thomas, a lot like Alistair McKenzie. And, and, and oh, by the way, Gil Hans did and his team did an amazing job restoring it back to the original you know configuration that that George Thomas had. But. He, like Alistair McKenzie, like wide fairways to give players choices for the, the types of angles they want to play coming into those greens, a second shot kind of course. Uh, firmer, obviously, we obviously see you know firm, mm -hmm. uh, high rough, and that sort of thing. What, what is going to make this one a little bit different is they've got Bermuda grass out there. So as they grow up that rough, it's going to become gnarly for the players <laughs> if that ball settles into that rough and they're going to try to make it that way where we're used to seeing tall thick rough uh but they're going to kind of dry it out a little bit so that ball nestles kind of down into that rough and since it is bermuda it's going to catch the hosel and it's going to catch those club faces a lot more than what i think those players are used to seeing uh you're going to see some eroded kind of looks particularly around the bunkers and then uh, as as is typical in the weather and we'll see how it plays out 10 days from now but it's usually a little bit more gloomy in the morning, sunny and windy conditions in the afternoon, which is going to make it that firm and fast uh, kind of track that we're used to seeing in a U.S. Open. So I, I, I'm anxious to see how the golf course plays. I've seen some pictures. Looks fantastic. And Gil Hans is a, a tremendous, obviously, golf course architect and designer. But going back and putting it to the original George Thomas design, I think, is, is wonderful. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that all plays out. I'm sure it's going to be in perfect condition as it always is typically mm -hmm. for a U.S. Open. We've seen we've seen the USGA do some kind of crazy things back in the, the <laughs> mid 2020 teens that got everybody riled up. But I, I'm sure uh, they're going to have this golf course play you know, fantastic. 
And then, you know, to the other thing that you alluded to, you know, betting odds and all of that sort of thing. I mean, I think the 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 odds on favorites, right, are gonna be the the names that we're used to. Again, I right. would never I would never bet against Brooks Kepka at this point, seeing how healthy he is and how great he plays in US Opens, having won it back to back in 17 and 18. Uh, I'm sure John Rahm is gonna be, you know, a guy that's gonna be uh contended with. He won the, the 2021 U.S. Open down the street at Torrey Pines, uh, which why which is why I believe he's the odds-on favorite, actually, if you're going to be out there betting. I think he's the odds-on favorite to win it. Uh, you know, Scheffler is obviously a guy that you're going to have to contend with as well. Scotty is always around the top of a leaderboard. A guy that's a little bit further back that I wouldn't put it past the wind is I obviously played his college golf out that way is Colin Morikawa. He's a great iron player. Uh, yeah. If he can get uh, everything kind of corralled, then again, he's a guy that's used to playing out there. Uh, he would be someone that I would look to uh, to be a favorite to win uh, this golf tournament as well. Chris, I'll uh, close the interview with this question. Uh, it's kind of a two-part question. First of all, obviously, I'd be remiss without talking about the Live Tour a little bit with you. Um, obviously, they had a great showing at the PGA Championship. My first question to you is, it's already been brought up about the Ryder Cup. Should the Live Tour golfers, in your opinion, be uh, a part of the Ryder Cup? And, you know, we've seen some variations or some nuances with the Live Tour. Uh, my second part, you know, like the music in the background, the players wearing shorts, uh, a little more laid back, uh, you know, and obviously the purses and the upfront money. What do you think about the Live Tour golfers being considered for the Ryder Cup? And should the PGA adapt anything that the Live Tour is doing maybe down the road? So, okay. So let me let me take that uh, one at a time. Should the yeah. Live Tour players be allowed to play in the Ryder Cup? 100%. Look, is, as Brad Faxon and Brandel Chambly debated on the Golf Channel, right, <laughs> last week or yeah. whatever day that was, I think Fax has got it right. Look, these guys aren't playing for their tour. And oh, by the way, the PGA Tour doesn't run the Ryder Cup, right? It's a PGA of America event. And those guys were playing in the PGA just this past week. So, yes, those guys should be. You're playing for your country. You want the best players out there playing against one another. Rom said it just the other day as well when he's talking about the European side. He's bemoaning the fact that Sergio Garcia, who's the best Ryder Cup player ever, mm -hmm. isn't going to be a part of that team, isn't eligible to be a part of that team. And and there's always been a great uh, Spanish, Spaniard, uh, Spanish duo, right, going back to yeah. when Seve and, and Jose Maria were, were paired together. Uh, and and obviously, Rahm and, and, and Sergio have been paired together. Uh, I think we're going to – we lose out by not having Sergio even be eligible to play because the DP World Tour has told them, you know, they're definitely out. Um, the PGA of America hasn't said the same about the live players. And, look, do you do you want, you know, a Dustin Johnson on that team? A guy just went 5-0. and oh. you, yeah. You're telling me you don't want a Dustin Johnson on that team? You don't want a Brooks Kepka on that team? You don't want a Bryson DeChambeau, who seems like another guy who's fought his way back from injuries and getting back to – the, back into form into the top of his game. You don't want those guys a, a part of the, the team? Seriously? Come on. Of course you do. So I think 100% those guys should be allowed to be a part of, of the Ryder Cup team. And I'd be surprised, at least on the U.S. end. I mean, think about it. Brooks, Brooks finished second at the Masters, tied for second, and he, and he just won the PGA. If he goes out and wins the U.S. Open, Zach Johnson doesn't want that guy on the team? Come on. Of course Zach Johnson wants that guy on the team. Zach wants to win. Uh, and, again, it's not about the PGA Tour uh, at this point, and nor is it about the DP World Tour. And to your second part of your question, I mean, look, the PGA Tour has already adapted just about everything that Liv did, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, now they're talking about next year, about having, you know, some of, the, some of the elevated events be shorter fields and no cut and all that sort of thing. The only thing the PGA Tour hasn't stolen from Liv is letting the guys wear shorts. And I got <laughs> And I think that's, that's on the way, too. I've been a big proponent. Let the guys wear shorts. We wear shorts. Don't right? we? We, right? we go out and play on Saturday and Sunday. We're not playing in pants. People say, ah, oh, well, that's not professional. That's baloney. I mean, you know, look, they're out there playing in joggers and hoodies. Yeah. So we're drawing the line at shorts. That's where, I mean, the, the joggers don't even go all the way down to the pants. You see their bare ankles and, and all that sort of stuff. And they're, and they're wearing hoodies. I mean, 
Okay, let them wear shorts for crying out loud. I think I think I think everything that Liv did is something that they wanted to do on the PGA Tour, but Jay Monahan was too caught up in his own ego to think that a that they'd ever get this thing off the ground. I believe he never thought it would get it get off the ground, and obviously it did. Mm-hmm. And then all the things that Liv is doing are, are is something that I think the PGA Tour should do. Now you know, we can debate whether you know fifty four holes is right or wrong. You know, we, we're used to 72 holes. And frankly, I love 72 holes because I get four days of golf right, instead right of on. three. Right. So <laughs> I, I'm all for that. But, you know, hey, when 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 the calendar turns to, you know, July and August and September, no one's watching golf on Sundays. I mean, we're all watching the NFL and college football right. and all that sort of thing. So the idea that you know, it would, would only be three three rounds isn't a horrible idea because we're not watching the fourth round anyway. So. They've got that piece going. So I again, I think I think what Liv has done is is are, are all the right things. And the other thing people throw stones at is you know, well they have shotgun starts. It's like a it's like a member guest tournament. Well, guess what? You know, how many times have we seen somebody win a golf tournament because they got lucky and got their early late start when the when the weather wasn't a factor, right? To mm-hmm. me. You know, playing a shotgun start and getting everybody out there all at the same time is the fairest thing to do because everybody's got the same weather conditions all the way around. And then what Liv does on Sunday is, right, the last three or four groups actually all tee off on one. To me, that is the fairest thing to do in golf so you don't get lucky and get the right draw versus being the guy or gal that gets the wrong draw and you have the worst weather conditions. We're talking about being fair and everything's fair across the board. (laughs) Everybody should play in the same weather conditions, which is another thing I think Liv has got right. Chris, tell us a little bit about your podcast next on the T and Thursday Night Tailgate. I love it. Spread the word for us. I appreciate you. Uh, Next on the T and Thursday Night Tailgate, very similar formats where I talk to the legends of the game and I get their stories and insights and we get some playing lessons along the way as well. Very blessed to have some of the greatest legends of both the, the PGA, LPGA, and then the NFL. We we partner with the NFL Alumni Association to get those guys on the NFL side. So, um, yeah, we're, we we try to ask good questions and then get out of the way because I, <laughs> I know nobody really cares anything about what Chris Mascaro thinks about anything. I, and I've said that and we're, we're blessed that uh, we've been going over a decade now on both shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, we uh, we have the, like I say, the, the greatest players and the, and the top instructors in the game on the next on the T side. Uh, join me every week. Uh, I record the show on Tuesday nights, bring it out there on Wednesdays. Uh, so, uh, like I say, very, very blessed to have uh, guys that have become and gals that have become uh, guests on the show are, are now really great friends. And uh, that, to me, has been the, uh, the hugest blessing of doing both shows. Well, Chris, it was a blessing having you on here. Great insight on what's coming up in the U.S. Open and with the Live Tour and the whole nine yards. Uh, keep up the great work, man. This was a lot of fun. Next time we have you on, it'll be in my studio. The dog won't be barking. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, no uh, we'll have some more fun. So, hey, Chris, I appreciate it again. Have a great day and enjoy the golf. I appreciate it, Lou. Thank you so much for asking me to come on. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. All right. Thank you. That's Chris Mascaro, host of the Next on the T podcast and Thursday Night Tailgate. Always a pleasure and uh, great insight. Love what he had to say about the uh, – live tour and uh you know should they be playing on the Ryder cup and uh his great insight coming up on the u.s open which is going to be here uh in 10 days at the los angeles country club um should be a should be a fun tournament to watch and if you uh if you love golf that's what you got to watch and if you love golf to watch the next on the t podcast with chris mascaro uh you can follow him on twitter at ct m-a-s-c-a-r-o and uh You'll have all the times and uh, guests on his podcast as well. So what a what a great insight uh, from Chris on the PGA Tour. Hey, uh, we still to come here on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA Finals. We got a big birthday here today of a football legend and a lot more to talk about. But first, what we'd like to tell you about is uh, Mahler Bros Golf. You know, with the weather being as warm as it is right now, especially here in Michigan, it's going to be in the 90s, it looks like, all week. You get out on the course, even if you're riding a cart, you get about to the seventh or eighth hole, and uh, it's warm out, man. You're sweating, and even if you're playing good, uh, if you're having a decent round, 
you start getting overheated and next thing you know what you, your golf game will suffer a little bit i've got just the answer for you it is mauler bros golf with their complete selection of polo sleek loud uh conservative you know they are the make they are the way to go they're lightweight stretchy material that hugs your body but it'll make you feel cool while you're looking cool and not only that when you look good you feel good when you feel good you play good you get it up there mentally you're feeling good you make the turn you're still feeling cool you're looking cool you might be looking for that first round under 80 of the year or maybe you're looking to break par for 18 holes <laughs> if i did that oh my goodness uh, uh anyways the way to go to do that is to go to maulerbros.com uh, as you can see on the bottom of the screen when you do that make sure you use the promo code belly up for 15 percent off of your purchase that is maulerbros.com um, they've also got t-shirts, tumblers, uh, mugs, you name it, a wide variety of uh, things for you to look at and to purchase. And again, that's maulerbros.com. Check out their complete look, complete selection of polos and tees. Because like I said, if you look good, you feel good. You feel good, you play good. And uh, the best way to get started with that is maulerbros.com. And make sure you use the promo code at purchase time. Belly up for 15% off your purchase. That's maulerbros.com. Com. Again, we want to thank Chris Mascaro for joining us here on the show, talking some PGA Golf Live Tour, what to look for in the open, a look back at uh, some of the uh, accomplishments of uh, Jack Nicholas, and of course, a look back at uh, 50 years ago with uh, um, that 63 that Johnny Miller shot at the U.S. Open. Hard to believe it's been 50 years. Some great golf played back then, great golf played now, and uh, we've got you know, we really didn't even touch on with him some of the upcoming rivalries here on the PGA Tour. You know, right off the top of our head, Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm. Um, are they the next uh, great rivalry on the PGA Tour? But then again, you know, you look at the Live Tour with, uh, you know, you've got Brooks Kepka and also with uh, uh, some of the other greats over there, Dustin Johnson still playing at a high level as well. So, um, again, thanks to Chris Mascaro for joining us. Check out his podcast. It'll be down. It'll be available tonight next on the tee where he mentioned he gets to talk to a lot of great players, uh, some legends of the game as well. So um, we want to thank Chris for joining us here um, this morning, talking PGA Tour golf and with the next major coming up here very soon, the U.S. Open. The NBA Finals, they're set. Miami uh, took care of Boston in Game 7. All right, I've got to be. I've got to admit, I'm one of the few, one of the many that didn't think Miami could go up and uh, take care of Boston in Game Seven. But they showed up. And they silenced them and the crowd in Game Seven, jumping out to that big lead uh, early, uh, double-digit lead in the first quarter. Boston was able to get it down to I think eight or seven a few times, but Miami again was able to stifle them, and uh, they won. They won Game Seven. Uh, you know. The grit, the coaching, uh, you name it. It just overpowered Boston. And, you know, one of the things that just, I, you know, I grew up, you know, obviously, you know, I love all sports. I haven't watched the NBA as much as I have in the past. You know, I give credit to my son and my nephew who are big NBA fans. They've gotten me back in touch with it a little bit. And, of course, being on the shelf with uh, recovering from surgery, it gives me time to watch it more. So I've watched it, and one of the things that really just just bothers me about it is, again, the reliance on the three-pointer. Now, I know that you've got the analytics and this and that. They say, well, take a couple steps back, you get the extra point. Well, 16 for 77 in the last two games from three by Boston. And, you know, sooner or later, you got to look at it and say, this isn't working. If that's how they're built, then that's how they're built. I get it. But, boy, Miami, they – they just exploited that to perfection, you know, and obviously they got better contributions in game seven by their uh, bench players and their core players. Uh, Caleb Martin, 26 points. A lot of folks thought that he should have been the MVP of the uh, Eastern conference playoffs. Um, I don't know between him and Jimmy Butler, I guess it was close. Uh, Jimmy Butler led that team. Love is moxie. And uh, you know, he's got the confidence and what, you know, it just, it, it just came across as such a laissez-faire attitude by Boston in Game 7. I talked about it 
on another podcast, uh, no credentials required last night. They, they, you know, it looked like Boston showed up at the Boston Garden thinking, or TD, whatever it is, whatever they call it now. I'm always going to call it the Boston Garden, the old fuddy-duddy that I am. But they showed up thinking, well, the Mystique is going to help them win. And it was just like, well, you know, we just didn't show up. We didn't play as well, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it, it's I just didn't see the fire. Now, I'm never going to accuse a player of quitting. You know, it sure looked like Boston quit in game three. But it looked like they jumped out when Miami jumped out to that big lead and Tatum turned his ankle. I get it. Um, that didn't help the cause for Boston. But, you know, where were the other role players? Where's Jalen Brown? He sure didn't step up. Horford, maybe he ran out of gas. They asked a lot out of him in the playoff. I'm not going to blame him at all. I thought he played fantastically throughout the playoff run for Boston. But where are the other players? You know, Marcus Smart, I thought, had a bad game in game seven. You know, it just overall. And Missoula, if he's around next year, I hope that he learns from this. If you're a Boston fan, uh, those that know me know I'm not a Boston fan. It, uh, they were the hated rivals back in the 80s with the Pistons and, you know, the Lakers and the Pistons. I mean, they, you know, they, uh, so I don't know. I mean, it just, I, I was, I'm mystified how many teams live and die by the three. And, you know, Miami, I think benefited from that. They exploited that big time. Now, what do they do against Denver? Uh, you know, I think Denver poses a much bigger challenge for them on all points. They're bigger. They're, uh, I think they're a more talented team. But I think Boston was too. But Miami had the heart. They had the grit. And they had the coaching uh, advantage against, uh, against Denver, against uh, Boston. It proved it out. But now who's going to be up to the challenge to take care of Jokic and Murray and Michael Porter Jr. and KCP and I just I look at that and I see you know you never say never for Miami I mean they're an eight seed I think they're like the Florida Panthers uh you know they both started out slow at the gate uh, Miami was the number one seed last year and didn't make the playoffs I don't know if their fool's gold is an eight seed uh they were lucky to get in like the Florida Panthers were in the NHL but now they're riding that wave of momentum but it's a different story now game one tomorrow they go up into the uh elevation of Denver. Denver's been able to rest for a while. Now it's going to be one of those things. Will emotion and adrenaline play for Miami in the first half against Denver? It just might be, but they might run out of gas in that. Uh, I, I just, I don't see Miami being able to hang on and, and hang with Denver for seven games. I think it could go five or six. I was on, uh, Again, no credentials required last night with Ryan McCarthy and his gang. What a great show that is, by the way. Another one of our great lineup of shows here on Belly Up Sports. And I took Denver in five, and I'm going to stick by that. I just think Miami will be able to win one in South Beach. If they steal one in Denver, yeah, obviously, then, you know, they could ride that momentum. I don't see it happening. I just think Denver is just overall too deep. I know they're minus 350 as a playoff bet right now. So I wouldn't touch that one, but uh, you know, it's going to be a fun series though. I really do believe that Jimmy Butler is going to have to play out of his mind. Um, one of the things though, that just bothers the hell out of me. And I want to bring this up right now. You know, everybody, I, I listen to people saying, nobody's going to watch it. No major market teams in both the Stanley cup finals, as well as the NBA finals. I guarantee you, you'll get eyeballs on this product. Uh, Denver is, you know, they've got, the best player in the league right now in Nikola Jokic by far should have been the MVP this year. Um, the sun will rise. It rose this morning knowing that there's no major markets in the NBA finals and the Stanley cup finals. I look forward to be an entertaining series. It may only go five games, but it's going to be very entertaining. You're going to get the folks that love Miami and Denver. I think the eyeballs were opened a little bit with, uh, you know, the way they played against the Lakers, the almighty LA Lakers, uh, who a lot of people had penciled in to beat Denver. And uh, their eyes were, uh, their eyes are wide open now with them. And they're a fun team to watch. Not only do they shoot the three, but they're good inside with Jokic and Murray and, uh, you know, KCP um, and Michael Porter Jr. I, I can't wait to watch it along with the uh, Stanley cup finals, which start on Saturday. And the other complaint if you will is about how the games are stretched out over three days well they're going to do this I, I i personally don't mind it only because 
Um, now both teams will both the Stanley Cup and the NBA Finals will get their own night. They're not going to be overlapping like they were in the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals for both the for both leagues. You know, with the NBA and the NHL butting up against each other. You know, they can't win. People are going to complain and bitch because you know, they were up against each other, and they're going to complain and bitch because it's uh, stretched out. But you know, they're going for the maximum exposure, and I uh, can't wait to watch both of them. So, really looking forward to it. The NBA Finals start tomorrow. Game one in Denver. Like I said, I'm going to go with Denver and five on this one. I think Miami will come out, keep it close in the first game. You know, there's going to be a little bit of rust since Denver hasn't played in over a week. Miami, of course, won on Sunday or on Monday, rather. So I don't know. I, they'll ride that momentum. We'll see how it goes. But I just think Denver is just going to be too much. And I see them winning in five. So we're going to wrap it up. A couple of things. Happy birthday to. Uh, well, I, I, I guess I stepped out of tune. I forgot a couple of uh, other NBA notes here before we get to our happy birthday. Bob Meyer stepped down as the Golden State GM yesterday. Uh, what a run. 12 years for him at the helm of the Golden State Warriors helped build a dynasty. Not sure what that's going to do for them. He's burnt out. Don't blame him, but he's young. He's 48 years old. I'm not sure if he, can, if he has to wait a year. I think he had a year left on his contract if there's a – no compete clause or whatever in that, but he'll he'll resurface in the NBA. I know uh, Kevin Durant wants him in De in Phoenix, uh, but he had a hell of a run putting together that uh, uh, cast there in Golden State, winning four championships. He was two time GM of the year. Um, he'll land on his feet if he wants it in the next couple of years. Obviously, I'd love to have him in Detroit, but we all know that's not going to happen. Nick Nurse. He got a new job. He landed on his feet. He's going to be the head coach of Philadelphia. Um, he takes over a team that's talented, probably underachieved, no doubt about it. Now my next question is, is uh, James Harden going to stay? Uh, I honestly think Nick Nurse probably doesn't want him. You know, if he stays, you know, obviously he's going to get $50 million a year, close to that, that being James Harden. And my next question is, how well is he going to get along with Joel Embiid? And Joel Embiid, you know, kind of his laissez-faire attitude. I know the guy wants to win. They've been close. Philadelphia has. Well, this pushed them over the top. Uh, you know, Nick Nurse, he's won a championship with uh, Toronto, and he did well with a lot less talent. I think it's a good hire. We'll have to wait and see how the chemistry is going to be, though, in Philadelphia. All right, let's get back to our happy birthday. That, of course, to uh, Broadway Joe. Can you believe Joe Namath is 80 years old right now? Happy birthday to Joe. Uh, he's been a Jets ambassador, uh, for years and years and years. Uh, one heck of a talent coming out of Alabama all the way back in, uh, what was it? 1965, uh, before my time, obviously, but I do remember watching Joe Namath with the Jets. Uh, was a little too young to watch him in game three or Super Bowl three with the guarantee against the Baltimore Colts, but I did watch him towards the tail end of his career. And of course that ill-fated year with the Rams, um, one heck of a talent. Obviously, his career shortened by uh, multiple knee injuries, but uh, a personality. Uh, he was one of a kind back then, a trendsetter, and still going strong at 80 years old. So happy birthday to uh, Broadway Joe, 80 years old today. Unbelievable. And uh, we'll wrap it up tonight, or this morning, rather. The Oakland A's had to get an MLB uh, note in here today. Hey, they've won two straight. They're 12 and 45. By far the worst record in the MLB. They're looking at uh, potentially setting a modern-day loss record. and uh, But it's crazy. I saw this stat. They are tied with the New York Yankees for the lead for most walk-off victories with five as they had their fifth walk-off victory last night. They've won two in a row. And uh, on a side note, how many of you watched the video? I tried to get the video <coughs> to uh, show it. They had a fan jump out of the stands before the game started last night. Usually when somebody steps out, you know, they get crushed. They get cold cocked out in the outfield or whatever. This fan jumped out onto the stands, out of the stands, onto the field, touched third base, ran the bases backwards, touched second, touched first, touched home plate, and then jumped back into the stands without anybody getting them. Only in Oakland, man. Maybe the security guards have already moved to Vegas because the rest of the team is. What a sad state of affairs, man. And I know plenty of good seats are available as they go for three in a row tonight to try to make it 13 and 45. But had to share that with you. I saw that this morning. I thought that was fun. So 
Well, hey, that's going to do it. Wow, this uh, show has flown by as usual. And uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us here this morning. Captain Lou Extravaganza on the Captain Lou Sports Network, powered up by Belly Up Sports. And uh, check out our complete lineup of uh, podcasts. We've got a great group of guys and gals that work tirelessly here at the network. Also with our articles, check us out, bellyupsports.com. Talking about everything in the world of sports, from uh, pro wrestling to pro baseball to football, lacrosse, soccer, you name it. And the Stanley Cup Finals and the NBA Finals now will uh, take over the spotlight here in the next couple of weeks, along with the U.S. Open on the PGA Tour. So we got a lot to uh, unfold here in the month of June as it's championship time in the world of sports. And then, of course, things die down a little bit. Baseball will take over the spotlight in July. And then football season starts up in earnest with preseason for both the college and the pro. And we'll be right here for all of that here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza. One more time, thanks to Chris Mascaro for joining us uh, from the Next on the T podcast. Great insight on the PGA Tour and the Live Tour and the upcoming uh, U.S. Open Championship out at the Los Angeles Country Club coming up starting on June 10th, I believe. So uh, always great to talk uh, PGA Tour golf and great to have Chris Mascaro on to talk about that as well. And of course, we want to thank you, the viewer, for taking out your time to watch us here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza. We'll see you Friday, by the way, for another free-for-all Friday. We'll preview the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. We'll go through game one of the NBA Finals between Denver and Miami and everything else that's going on in the world of sports. All right, everybody, for Chris Mascaro joining us, I want to say thanks to everybody for tuning in. Yours truly, Captain Lou, saying keep your heads up, keep your sticks down, keep your feet moving, and as always, keep your minds open. Thanks for joining us here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza on the Captain Lou Sports Network. So long.